This is Stephen Adams. And this is Kevin Dr- oh, Sorry. <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> You're Kevin Durant, mate. <laughs> good to see you, mate. Different complexion. Okay, let's go here. <laughs> so, this is Stephen Adams. And this is Anna's Cantor. You're listening to the Down to Earth. Down to Dunk podcast. What? Down to, down to Dunk. Down to Dunk. I'll down say that. Dunk. Introduce yourself, mate. Here's Stephen Adams, and I'm Anna's Cantor. And you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast. Stay tuned. Good evening and welcome to episode three, three, five, zero of the Down the Dunk podcast. Wow. Let's try that again. Three, five, zero, three, fifteen. I am Luke, joined tonight by Andrew. I'm Andrew. And Taylor. I'm Andrew. We have special guest Fred Katz of the Norman Transcript. You guys have done a lot of episodes. And Royce Young of ESPN.com. This podcast is so much better than Fred! (laughs) We are coming to you live from Anthem Brewery, their tap room here. And we've got a room full of listeners. Listeners, give yourselves a hand! We also want to give a shout-out to Chicken Express, who has brought so much delicious food for us to eat. Everyone here's bellies are full, and they're ready for some podcasts. Right. <laughs> uh, so, apparently the playoffs start for the Thunder on Sunday. So, Luke, you want to guide us through some questions yes. about this Houston Rockets-Oklahoma City Thunder matchup. I'm going to throw out some topics, and you guys are going to talk about the topics. Our first topic is, who is in the playoff rotation for the Thunder? I thought your question was going to be, who is in the playoffs? I thought you were going to made the playoffs? What are the teams in the playoffs? (laughs) So we have the starters, clearly. And then who off the bench? I think... So I just want to go ahead and get this out of the way. I do think yes, Andrew Samaj is going to play. I think he's going to play like <laughs> it's eight gonna minutes. Happen. I think Samaj is going to play eight minutes. I'm not going to be happy about those eight minutes. Uh, but the, I guess the real question is, how many minutes is Russell Westbrook going to play? Royce, you got this. I got. The, I, I think he's going to be somewhere in that 38 to 40 range throughout the series, something like that. What, however many games they play, I'm putting his average at 41 and a half minutes a game. It's incredibly specific. <laughs> I, uh, put it up. I would say he's in that like 38 to 40. I, I think w- Billy always puts a lot of emphasis on the way that Russell plays yeah. and, and, the, and the fact that he plays so intensely, especially on the offensive end of the court. That's gonna be, he's going to be using way more possessions. Like He's going to have like a 45% usage in the postseason. It's going to be something like we've never seen before, I think. And if it gets to that point, I just don't know if you can play him 42, 44 minutes every single game. And I think there might be a couple of blowouts that are going to bring down the average, too. Yeah. But here's, the, here's where I think it's going to change, though, is that if the Thunder are down eight going into the fourth quarter, they're not going to start that fourth quarter with Russ on the bench. I think they're going to start the fourth quarter with Russ on the floor. So, I mean, I think Billy's probably going to play it by ear, like you said, Fred. I think that, and he has stressed that a lot this year about Russ needs his rest. Russ needs his time on the bench to kind of recover. But, I mean, these games matter a whole lot more than, you know, a December game against the Hornets. So, I, I think that if, there's, if, if the game is slipping or there's a moment Billy's going to put Russ on the floor. Yeah, I, th- I think Jeremy Grant's another guy that'll play in this particular series because I think that he matches up well with Houston. So I think that he's a big off the bench. I think they're going to try to play Cantor. I think they kind of have to. I don't know how many minutes he's going to get. Like ten, I mean, 10 minutes is what I had him down for. I think it's going to be one of those series where he's like 20 game one, 
16 game two, 12 game three, and it just keeps going. Right, yeah. I think we're going to see, like, also, I think we're going to see lineups without Canner and without Adams. Like, we're going to see a, a Gibson Grant front court at some point in crunch time during this series for sure. I don't think you can put a number on how many players are going to play in the rotation because I think Billy has shown over time that you can't just say he's going to have an eight man playoff rotation. Yeah. I think Billy could have an eight-man rotation one night and then an 11-man rotation the next night because I think that's kind of how Billy Donovan operates. Well, who's not going to play? I think, okay, what do you guys think about Kyle Singler playing basketball? He's not playing. <laughs> Kyle Singler in general? <laughs> <laughs> Team Houston! <laughs> Can we address that? Can we address why in the world does Josh Houston play in the last game of the season and he looks like a basketball player and then he's going to disappear for another year? It's called surprise attack mf <laughs> in the playoffs to, to Houston. That's exactly Singer's right. not playing, but Houston's Houston's is starting game one. <laughs> yeah, right. How many minutes is Houston's playing in the playoffs? It's about 41 and a half. Play, playing the D-League playoffs tomorrow night, guys. <laughs> That's right. That's true. Uh, so I don't I, think Singler's playing in this series. I don't no. think he plays. I don't think, obviously, Houston isn't playing. I, I mean, d- how much? I don't know that Doug McDermott plays every game. No. I don't know that he has. I mean, I think they would rather play Abrinas in those minutes rather yeah. than play. They prefer Abrinas, yeah. This is a bad defensive matchup for McDermott, too. Like, McDermott's whole thing is getting lost off the oh, ball, man. coming off shooters during penetration, and having to recover back onto them on the perimeter. That's, like, the last weakness that you want when you're playing Houston, who's, like, the best team literally in years at that. He played, like, five minutes against Houston the, the last time they played, and he looked more lost than I've seen an NBA player look on defense in a long time. Yeah. He was, was really bad. It was so, Fred, let me, let me take control of this podcast as the host all of a sudden. You think, <laughs> you think that uh, Samaje is going to get the backup minutes and they're not just going to stagger with Oladipo? I think at the beginning he's going to get the backup minutes. What I want to know is I wish I didn't have to be at the games because I want to be in Andrew's living room <laughs> when it's like the fourth quarter of a close game and Billy throws out a, a Westbrook-Christian backcourt in like a close game in the fourth I mean, he's quarter. Not do, he can't do that. He's going to because Billy, for some reason, and I, I shouldn't say for some reason, Samaje Christian is a very good on-ball defender. I mean, that is... That is but he Samaj- plays him off the ball. Well, uh, well yes. <laughs> he's just a good defensive player. Let's just say that. He's that, okay. That's he's, clearly he's his, adequate. That's clearly his redeemable quality on the court. <laughs> so yeah. I think that Billy, yeah. in, in this series, you know, with the Rockets, if they have Lou Williams, Eric Gordon... And uh, James Harden, and they have a, like a three-guard lineup, four-guard lineup. Pat Bev. There's, a, there's a good chance that you might see Christian on the floor for some minutes. He's going to play. I hope it's like four minutes. Like in the end of the second quarter. And that's it. <laughs> How much does Jeremy Grant play? Because you're going to have Ryan Anderson at the four, and you're going to have, what, Montrez Harrell? Well, to me, I think that Taj is a guy that can play on the perimeter a lot more than people give him credit for. And so I think Taj is going to play upwards of 30 to 35 minutes. I think he should, because I think he can defend Ryan Anderson. It's not like Ryan Anderson's going to take him off the dribble. So I think that Taj should get a lot of minutes. But Jeremy Grant could play 15 to 20 yeah. minutes a night. Decent chance Robertson plays four with the bench unit, too. Yeah. Because they're with, yeah. with Decker Hurt, they're playing Ariza as a backup four. So like yeah. you can you can really go Robertson at the four with that and and switch everything in those lineups and you could maybe be okay with those lineups. You want to yeah. know my bold prediction for this series? This is really not that crazy. <laughs> my prediction is the leading per minute leading per minute player for the Thunder. <laughs> this is getting bold. Get ready. <laughs> is Andre Robertson? I think Robertson plays the most minutes in this series for the Thunder. They're going to try to match his minutes with James Harden's as closely oh, yeah. as possible. Oh, yeah. They're going to just want him on the floor all the time. Yeah. 
And that's where the Thunder can make this really interesting. I think the Thunder's rotation in the regular season, they can't match up with a lot of really good teams. But whenever the rotation shrinks a little bit, Westbrook plays more, Robertson plays more, I think uh, Adams can play more. I think they're just a lot better. Was it you that tweeted it today, Fred? I'm trying to give you credit if you did. About uh, the Thunder against the Rockets when Westbrook was on the floor. Was that you? No, but I'll take credit. Way so. to go, Fred. Good tweet. <laughs> that, that was, was a really good tweet. <laughs> that was me. Thank you. That was, yeah, that was Luke. I think the Thunder, if I remember right, it was something like they outscored the Rockets by 1.5 points per 100 possessions when Westbrook was on the floor in the season series. Now, the last game was a blowout. We all saw what happened. Yeah. The other three games were extremely close. So, like, I've gone back and forth trying to weigh that. Like, last game was a blowout. That was kind of the new Rockets with Lou Williams. They were exceptionally hot versus the first three games. I don't really know. I don't really know where I fall on that. Uh, if, since no one's brought it up, what are we thinking about Sabonis? Uh, I don't so know. Crazy. I, don't know. I, I forgot don't know. he was on this team. <laughs> I forgot he was going to play in this game. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's a great matchup for him. No. But it, I don't know. I don't really know what Billy's going to do. It's tough to play a rookie in the playoffs. Yeah. It's like it's tough to play a rookie who plays the way that Is he Samaj plays. Is Samaj a rookie? <laughs> Samaj is like a like a rookie the way David Blatt was a rookie coach. Played overseas, <laughs> he played right. in the D League. He's not. <laughs> I bet I bet Sabonis plays some, but I don't think he's like a regular that's coming in the game. Yeah, not think, every game. I think that you know you might look at the at the box score of game one and he had four minutes or something like that. Yeah, yeah and I mean in the playoffs your rotation goes down to like what eight players, nine players. So a lot of times, not all these guys can play anyway. Ennis is already playing. A backup point guard's already playing. And then probably Jeremy Grant. Billy ought to just yeah. throw a curveball and just play 12-man rotation in the playoffs. <laughs> Everybody shrinks theirs. Billy goes up. <laughs> Russell Westbrook plays 31 minutes per game right, in the first round. He cuts down like, Westbrook's minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be so mad. Uh, so there's some interesting like pre- and post-All-Star game stats for the Rockets. So pre-All-Star game, the Rockets were 40 and 18. Post-All-Star break, they were 15 and 19. And the Thunder were 15 and 10. So they've been roughly the same team record-wise since the All-Star break. Uh, before the All-Star break, the Rockets were shooting 36% from three on a ton of attempts, obviously. But post-All-Star break, uh, the Thunder and the Rockets are shooting the same percentage from three at 34%, which I think is that's interesting. I think the Thunder have been a lot better. Their net rating has been better since the All-Star break, and Houston hasn't been as good since, uh, since the All-Star break and since the trade deadline. So I think that... This series could be a little bit closer because I think you look at like their overall record. Uh, they were just so good at the beginning of the season. They went they were twenty sh- out of twenty-two at one point. Yeah, they were shooting the ball so well at the beginning of the season, but like Eric Gordon's falling off a little bit. And I just think that the Thunder might have a better chance in this series than what people are giving them. I will say this though: they do. I, I saw that they're shooting the same percent post All Star break as well. But Houston's shooting 15 more three-pointers per game. So they are. Even if you're shooting at the same percentage, if you're taking 15 more, yeah, it's yeah. A lot you're of getting points. more. I'm not points. saying that yeah. they're getting the same value. I'm just saying that they're like, I don't know. It's just it's, it's a little bit more interesting than you would think. Because you look up and down yeah. their roster, and you think they're probably hitting 36% from three, but they're, yeah. but they're not. And the Thunder, the Thunder still aren't a good three-point shooting team. They're still like the worst in the league. But I, I don't know. I think that 
they, they're going to make it a little bit more interesting than people and you, think. And you got to wonder how Houston's offense translates to the postseason. I mean, yeah. this is this is Mike D'Antoni's offense, and he had success in the playoffs with the Suns, but this is a different type of offense than what he ran in Phoenix. It's not quite the same spread pick and roll, seven seconds or less, that they ran. Um, I mean, Houston's offense, I mean, the best word for it is it's a little gimmicky. And, you know, a team trying to shoot 40 or 45 threes in a game, that we haven't seen that really in the playoffs. So, um I mean, I and then plus, I mean, one of the reasons that they haven't been as good post All Star break is James Harden's wrist has been hurt. Sure. And you know, I assume that he's probably far more healthy, even though for some reason he played up until the two minute mark <laughs> last night against the Timberwolves. Can I can I just respond to Charles Barkley over here talking about jump shooters in the, in the postseason? <laughs> they ain't gonna win no title. I wonder how the Thunder offense is going to translate to the postseason. It's predicated around one guy. It's I wasn't saying it was going to translate. Yeah, no, no, no. I know. I'm just giving the other side. I just It's predicated around one guy. And when you play the Thunder on the second half of a back-to-back and you're tired and you can't game plan, literally the last player in the league you want to go up against is Russell Westbrook because of the way he plays and his athleticism, his skill, and all of that. But when you have off days or two off days between every single game, you can game plan for that team. And it's not just from the coaches. Like People talk about with the coaches. like The players, for the most part, players for the most part retain information from what they did, not necessarily what they're game planning for. And so when Patrick Beverly says, all right, last time I did this, Russell Westbrook did this, and the guys off the ball say the same thing, they return that for games two and three and four and five, and it keeps adding up. And if he's going to shoot the ball 30 times, 25 times every single game, that might be something that would be really hard for the Thunder offense if they're actually trying to be an efficient offense. Well, Erna, I, that was my Charles Barkley. Yeah. Erna. <laughs> terrible Charles Barkley. That was, that was I so had part. no idea what that You're, was. Royce Erne, does really... Did you, say, did you say terrible Charles Barkley? <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, the thing is, though, is I think the Thunder's style translates more traditionally to what the playoffs is. I think the, you know, the playoffs become this kind of grindy, half-court type of thing. Now, the Thunder do love to run, but they love to run off of stops. Um, I think the Thunder's offense is what you more traditionally get, can get by with. I can, I can see, like Fred said, I, I do think that it, I mean, we have no idea how the Thunder are going to play, I think, in the playoffs because... You know, is is Russell going to be a distributor, or is he going to take thirty nine shots a game? I don't I don't know that we all can really get a good feel on that. But I just my point is I think that Houston, you know, it's it's an offense that just overwhelmed people in the regular season, and how that's going to go into the the playoffs, I don't I don't exactly know if we know because you know the, the game that that the Rockets blew the Thunder out, the fourth game that they played, Houston was just just absurdly hot from three, and some of that was mediocre Thunder defense. Some of that was just Lou Williams and Eric Gordon and those guys hitting just a lot of contested threes. All right, guys, let's move on to our next topic. And the question is, in our matchup with the Rockets, who are the X factors? Samaje Christian, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I think that Andre Robertson is a huge X factor for the Thunder. If he can play like he has the first few games against the Rockets, I think the Thunder have a good chance because if he can slow down James Harden, I think that that's where the Thunder's success is going to come is on the defensive end. Offensively, we don't really know exactly what they're going to get. But if they can play great defense and shut down those pick and rolls and stop or at least slow down James Harden, I think that that's a big deal. And then for the Rockets, I think, I mean, Patrick Beverly is, as much as I hate him, I think that he's very good. <laughs> he's a very good player, and I think defensively he's, he's disruptive. He, 
he's going to get try to get on Russ's nerves. I think that I think he's a big time X factor for the I th- Rockets. I think Robertson is just a factor. I, I think I would. Yeah. He's not X factor. He's just a factor. He's very important to the series. I think in terms of like X factor, I would I kind of look at two guys. I think Alex Sabrinas is a potential significant yeah. X factor. I think him being able to spread the floor. Fred and I were talking. I think in terms of team defense, he's. I don't know if I'd classify him as underrated because I don't know if he's that good yet. But I don't think he's. I don't think he carries a rep, should carry a reputation of being like this bad defender. I think Alex Sabrinas is an He's adequate smart. defender. Um, and then I think Jeremy Grant. I think we, we've already kind of covered, I think, why. But, uh, you know, giving the Thunder the ability to play small, his weak side, defensive help, the fact that he shoots well from the corners. I don't know that it's outside the realm of possibility. We might see a lineup with Jeremy Grant at the five where you just go just crazy small. Um, but I, I see those two guys as probably being the, the guys that need to be significantly good for the Thunder. For the Rockets, uh, to me, Lou Williams is the guy. If, if Lou Williams yeah. can heat up. He can score quickly, score in bunches, and he can be somebody that really keys like 12-2 runs for the Rockets. Yeah. Yeah, li- those were literally my two answers. Abrinas and <laughs> One thing I will add about Abrinas, though, Roy, Royce, tell me if you agree with me on this. Is Alex, Alex Abrinas is like the farthest thing from the rookie who would get nervous during the playoffs, right? That's right. Like, I could see Domas getting, oh, like, Domas is 20, and, like, when you talk to Domas, you feel like you're talking to a 20-year-old. I forget Abrinas is even a rookie. I forget it all the time. He is the most confident human being I've ever yeah. met in my life. It's hilarious. I, I, I said to him before the game yesterday, he was, like, with a mic in his face. I, <laughs> I said to him, and players try to get, like, super, you know, so they, they, they try to, you know, they, they get... What's the word that I'm looking for? They get they get so they're not like me right now, you know. They try to <laughs> they try to get so they just give cliches and yeah. yeah. And so Alex Abrinas, I, I say to him, you know, you're two threes away, and I was going to say you're two threes away from Harden's rookie record, and I say you're two threes away, and he cuts me off. He says, Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> says I'm right. says I'm going to let him fly. I might go three for fifteen. As Ben McMahon would say, he's got the cojones factor. Yes. Mm, Alex Sabrinas has the cojones factor. He, he could get away with the Cassell dance for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. And he would do the Cassell dance for sure. <laughs> yes, he could. 100%. Uh, do you think that they're going to have Harden guarding Robertson on the other end? And if so, do you think that they're going to... Because last season, they ran pick and rolls with Robertson right. as the guy setting the pick. And they try to get whoever's guarding him involved on the defensive end uh, rather than parking him in the corner. Obviously, the Thunder don't have the same personnel, and it doesn't fit well enough to do that, but I wonder if they're going to try to do that, because he is not awful as that role man, uh, so I wonder if we'll see some of that. I think that I think that's what makes the most sense in the world for Houston to do. I think the only reason they wouldn't do it is if D'Antoni overthinks it or if comes up with some sort of like reason to not do it, um, but I, you know, for one, Harden is a... I, I think we just classify him as a weak defender. He's just not a high-level defender. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing is, is Harden's significant weakness is off the ball. He falls asleep all the time. Yeah. And that's where Robertson has been pretty good this year as, as a cutter, cutting off the weak side and stuff like that. So maybe that's why D'Antoni has some hesitation to do that. But then also you want Harden. I mean, Harden's going to play 40-plus minutes as well. So if you can hide him on Robertson and, you know, spare him to some degree, I think that makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, especially when they have a guy like Trevor Ariza that they can put on Victor Oladipo to the whole time that they're right. out there. They don't really have to worry about that. Uh, another X factor that I want to talk about is Nene. And that's because out of two games that we've played them this year, Nene has just destroyed them. And that's because the Thunder Bigs, for whatever reason, every time they've played the Rockets, have been 
out of sorts or just like off their game. I, I know like three different times we talked about yeah. about it after the Rockets games and Steve was confused or like right. out of sync. I don't know what the deal was. And Ennis, of course, Ennis. But yeah, Nene, I mean, he can, if you fall asleep on him, he's going to score. He's, he's Fred, And it makes good. me so mad. Fred, tell us your favorite thing about Nene this year. You've my, mentioned it all four games that we've been at with, with the Rockets. What, my brother is, my brother asking his name? No, just about how wise he looks. Oh, he looks so wise. He does. He, <laughs> he, looks, does. Like, he looks like what I wish my grandfather looked like. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's that, got like a little gray. The gray, he's got the gray in the beard, and he's got he the does. gray streak, and he looks so, he looks so wise. It's, I would take any advice from him. It doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're moving on to our next topic. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and for this topic, I want you to rank the top 10 players in the series. And how many of those are OKC Thunder players? I should have wrote these down. I, I, <laughs> I feel like I've Go ahead, for, rank them now. I, I, for, I forgot this my is a, list. This is, your own, this is a solo segment. Oh, this is what I'm supposed to do? Yeah. Best player in the series is, I think, the most controversial one, right? Yes, yeah, Samaje Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think that you're going to say a lot about this series. But I mean, I think it's Russell. It's I Russell. think, I think yeah, Russell's the best. Russell player Westbrook's in the, the best player in the series. I yeah. think he's the best. I bet. I bet. I bet Fred disagrees. I, I'm turning off Fred's I, mic right now. <laughs> I I think Russell Westbrook is the MVP, but I th- I think James Harden is is better for a playoff series. Why? Because I think he gets others involved so much. Yeah. 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 Come on. Come on. I feed off your booze. I. Uh, I think. He, I think his ability to get teammates involved is just going to help him a lot more throughout a playoff series. And his ability to kick to shooters for threes with the way that the Thunder, the Thunder Bigs have struggled guarding teams that shoot the three this year so well. I think it's just going to. It's a better match for him. I think. So I, it's I close. Just, I, I think, think it's hard. I think Russell Westbrook is built for the playoffs. I think that's just what he is. He's just he is a playoff player. Yeah. Just, no. He, I just I, just, I, I agree I, with that. If, if if I was picking between the guys, between these players, I I almost might take Russell Westbrook. If I had any NBA player to pick from, I pick LeBron probably one, probably still for yeah. a playoff series, and I'd probably take Russell too. Yeah. I think Russell Westbrook is a playoff player yeah. that you want on your team. Yeah, there we I'm go. not pandering. I really believe it. <laughs> this is not yeah, pandering. Fred. Yeah, Fred the villain. It's okay. Fred, it's okay. why do you hate Russell? <laughs> there has to be a hero and there has to be a villain. It's okay. Royce, Royce needs cheers. It's okay. <laughs> There's no in between. I want people to like me. <laughs> Fred, like I completely me. disagree with you. Uh, so, number two is Harden. Number three, it gets, it gets muddy really quick right. with both these teams. I think when you look at the stats, I think that it's between like four guys, Oladipo, Eric Gordon, Clint Capella, and Steven Adams. So the four guys that I think come next. Mm, good I, pick. <laughs> I would say it's, as of now, That's I would say I it's have. Eric Gordon just because I think he's going to have a trophy. I think he's going to win sixth man of the year. So I think yeah. Yeah. kind of almost by default. I think it's Steven Adams. Ooh. No cheers for me this time. <laughs> Royce doesn't get booed for saying Gordon. Adams, Eric Gordon. Yeah. No, I, I think it's I think it's Stephen Adams just because of how how important he's going to be on the defensive end. Like he was yeah. so huge for them during the postseason last year. If he can play like he did during the postseason last year, part of the reason he was so good was because of his ability to switch on the perimeter and but, handle the inside and the outside. We just defense. talked about. Taj Gibson potentially taking over a lot of minutes at the five. If Stephen Adams is the third best player in this series, he can't be. He can't be on the bench, right? That's a great point. <laughs> That's think, a great point. I think the idea of Stephen Adams is the third best player, but I think the idea of Stephen Adams has kind of taken over the place of like what Stephen Adams has done this season. Because I think he's capable of doing a lot more than what he's done, but 
I just haven't seen it really since last playoffs. We haven't really seen that guy. I can think of like maybe a couple plays that he's had this season where he's been that same player. Uh, so maybe he's been maybe he's been waiting. The I thing don't know. Is, this is the I mean this is the been a large portion of the MVP debate is you know the players around these two guys and. I, it's bothered me to some degree all year long how everybody's acted like the, the Thunder's roster is just complete abject trash. There's a lot of talent on the Thunder's roster, and, and if that's your if that's what you're using to boost Westbrook's MVP candidacy, I think you're missing the mark. Now, the Thunder's roster I don't think necessarily fits Westbrook like right. it, like the Rockets' roster fits Harden. But let's not act like this is a, a star-filled series for either team. I you know I think the Rockets have more cohesive depth than the Thunder do, but I don't think the Rockets' roster is necessarily significantly better. Yeah, if that makes sense. I think it's I think it's Oladipo over the whole season. If you look at he and Eric Gordon's stats, they're basically the same, and then Oladipo can defend better. So I think the the ceiling of Oladipo is the third best player in the series. Uh, he's shooting about the same from three that Eric Gordon is. He's shooting forty four percent from the field when Eric Gordon's only forty. Uh, and then you look at their defensive rating, which I know doesn't tell the whole story, but his defensive rating is one hundred nine with Eric Gordon's one hundred and twelve. So I just think I think Victor Oladipo has the chance to be the third best player in the series and has the ability, uh, but he hasn't always shown up. He's, he's an extremely, very streaky. He's an extremely important player in this series because yes. there's going to be games the Thunder, if the Thunder want to have a prayer in this thing, they're going to have to win a game scoring more than 120 points. And as great as Russell Westbrook is, that the Thunder can't do that. with He, he can't score 80 to get him there. So <laughs> Oladipo, I think, is going to have to have a 25-point game at some point. I'm willing to believe that he disagrees <laughs> with you yeah. on that point. 80 points on 80 shots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's going to happen. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Old Depot is is huge. He, sometimes he looks so good. Like, he's inconsistent from play to play because he's such a good athlete, and he doesn't really use his athleticism. All It's kind of like what Harrison Barnes was in Golden State. Like, he was such a good athlete, but you rarely saw, or even at UNC, like, you rarely saw him use his athleticism to his advantage, at least on offense. And Old Depot's really good at using his athleticism to his advantage on defense. I think he had a really good defensive season. Especially, he's much better guarding guys off the ball than he was like two years ago in Orlando. But there's so many times he goes at the rim. He's got that great spin move, which he almost never uses. And That's a text message. Was wow. that a ding? It's that from Jay. Ding. Jay says, where's my periscope? <laughs> Not periscoping you, Jay. <laughs> but I, I, I think he's huge. If he can knock down shots, if he's able to finish around the rim, and his free throw, percent, his free throw uh, rate is kind of disconcerting. If he's able to actually get to the line a little bit and knock down threes and be in that 18, 20 point range in certain games, like that, that's huge for them because they need that second offensive option. It's the same issue that we've had with Oladipo from the start. Like he can get by his man and he can like go towards the basket, but he stops. When it gets to the big man, he doesn't go at him. And that's why his free throw rate is so low. But like, and he just takes weird like fall away jumpers or something. But yeah, that's so disappointing with him because you do see him have the ability to do that. And if you would just commit 100% instead of 90%, you'd get a lot more production from him. But who knows? Maybe he'll do it. He's never been in the playoffs. He's never been. Uh, so I've got Russ, Harden, Oladipo, Eric Gordon. Yeah. Ariza. At five, I've got Ariza. Clint Capella. I think he's very, very important to the Rockets. And I, Are we it, ranking most important players or are we ranking best players? You're ranking, you're ranking the top players. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. am I even doing Does here? that help? Let me start Thanks over. for clarifying. <laughs> yeah. Well, I assume there's a difference. <laughs> I think I think Capella's really good, and we always talk about Adam's age. Clint Capella's 22. Like Clint Capella's yeah, that's, really good. That's a good point. He gets more shots per game than Stephen Adams does. 
his his perth that might not numbers. totally be on Stephen Adams. Huh? That may not be on Stephen Adams. <laughs> I know. I know it's not. But he's playing a lot less minutes than Adams is. He and I, and I know all of this kind of goes back to the roster fits around James Harden. It doesn't fit around Russell Westbrook. Uh, but the truth is that the production that Clint Capella has put up this season has been better than Stephen Adams. I mean, it's just it's indisputable. I don't think he's a I don't think he's ultimately going to be a better player than Adams, but his he just kind of has been this season. I feel the same way about Capella's defense that I think you said you feel about my my opinion on Adams' offense. Like how the idea of his defense is great. And when he's going well, he's capable of making great defensive plays. And I think he will develop into an excellent defensive player. Like, I, I love him as a young player. He's, he's really young, and he's already a legitimately good player. But there are a lot of times, if you can get him away from the basket, you can really go at him, and, and he, can, he can struggle. There are times where he'll, he'll, he'll go the wrong place on pick and rolls and that kind of stuff, and that's fine. He's a 22-year-old big man. Like, he's yeah. going to be really good. But I, for, for the upcoming playoff series, for a game on Sunday, like, I think there are times where they can get him in the pick and roll and they can get him away from the rim and find ways to do it. That They can take advantage of him a little bit. So I, I like Capella a lot. He's definitely good and he's going to be really good, but he's got flaws. Yeah, he does. So I've got then Capella Adams. Then I have Ryan Anderson next. Just his ability to hit threes uh, and kind of stretch the Thunder defense out I think is going to be really important. Did you say Lou Williams yet? Have we said Lou Williams? I have yet? not said Lou Williams yet. Okay, so then I'd probably go Lou Williams. He's been say- terrible in Houston. I, but I've, I saw him play one really good game <laughs> against the Thunder. Just against the Thunder. I've got uh, Todd Gibson next. I think Todd Gibson's going to be incredibly important to the Thunder. He's an experienced player. He can play good defense. He can shoot the ball a little bit from mid-range. Uh, I, I think so overall, how many, how many Rockets are on this list? How many so I've got four out of ten Thunder, Thunder. players. Oh. Yeah, that's what I had. And then I have Patrick Beverly and Trevor Ariza finishing off the list. And then Lou Williams would be 11 for me. Yeah. Okay. Sure. If you're going by importance and not top, whatever. Like top. <laughs> if you are, Patrick Beverly's got to be higher if you're going by importance, though, because he's going to be guarding Russell Westbrook for a lot. He's, maybe not every possession, good. but I almost put him third. He's like, going to be if he if he if he just beats Russ if he beats Russ throughout this series and he plays incredible defense. That is. Can massive. I just say something about this matchup with Beverly though? If you look at the history between these two guys, Russ has smoked Beverly. Like Beverly, like Beverly had the stop on Westbrook earlier in the year, where Westbrook backed out and took right. a really dumb three. But like for the most part, like Westbrook's numbers against Patrick Beverly have always been pretty spectacular. So I understand Russell's numbers against most players have been pretty spectacular, but it's not as if Beverly is some kind of Westbrook stopper. I mean, heck, on a torn meniscus, Russell torched Beverly in the second he half did. of the game. So I don't, I don't want to talk about the torn meniscus, Royce. <laughs> and I will say, Beverly is a stopper in the sense that he can literally stop Russ from playing the rest of the well, series. Well, that's fair. If he wants to. That is fair. If he oh, wants to. Stop. Stop. Taylor, boo. Okay. All right, and, Andrew, one quick thing. Andrew, how many technical fouls is Russ going to have in this series? He can't have any, right? Well, no, it resets. resets. It resets. resets. Yeah. yeah, it resets. So he, I know. he's allowed, I, what, six or seven before he's suspended in the postseason? I think so. I, think I don't know. Because he gets, he gets, there are guys who frustrate him, and when guys frustrate him, he takes it out on the refs, right. not the players. So and Patrick Beverly, even if he's playing well against Patrick Beverly, like, 
Remember that time in, I think it was the first or second game of the year. It was in OKC. Yeah, it was like four seconds into the game. Yeah, Be- Beverly like leaned in while Picked Russ tried court. to yeah. Russ tried to face him up on like the left elbow, and he like tried to go through a rip through foul, and Beverly just stuck his head in and went like that with his head. No one can see. This is a podcast. <laughs> and, and Beverly like flung his head Fred back. Just threw his head back. Yes, and <laughs> flung his head back, and Russ got so annoyed, and he just started screaming at the official as if you know the official did something wrong when it wasn't a foul. I just he does that a lot when he gets frustrated. I kind of feel like he's going to have the a couple What's the over-under? I'll say at one and a half. Oh, go over. Oh, I'd say over. I'd go over. I'm going to say he's going to get three texts in the series. Well, I guess it depends on how many games it goes. You know? That could be a factor. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. <laughs> because four games, one and a half might be right. Yeah. All right, guys. We're going to move on to our next topic, which is called Advantages disadvantages. I'm going to need you to pick a player, coach, or team for each category. Our first category is best player. It's Russell. We've already discussed this. Okay. Advantage. Advantage Thunder. Advantage Thunder. Our next category is coaching. That's a tough one. I'm torn on that one. I thought about that one for a while. They're both good coaches. Yeah, they're both really good coaches. And I, good. and I think Billy you know, acquitted himself quite nicely in the playoffs last yeah. year as a tactician that can adjust throughout a playoff series. Mike D'Antoni, um, you know, if people just remember recent history with Mike D'Antoni, then you're doing yourself a disservice because not only has he been a fantastic coach throughout his NBA career, but he's been a really good playoff coach too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, for crying out loud, if the NBA doesn't suspend Amari Stoudemire, you know, the Suns might have a title right now. So. If, if Tim Donaghy doesn't exist, the yeah, Suns that, might true, have a title enough. right now. Yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of ways that yeah. the Suns got the Suns right. got hit in so, ways that were not unique. I, I don't know. I'm going to say I'm going to just going to totally cop out and say it's a push. I don't know. I can't choose between the, one or the other. I picked D'Antoni, and and that's because what did every what did like half of the people think of the Houston Rockets before this season? What did you pick them? I think what I had them winning like 41 games or something. Okay, like that. and I know some people picked them in the 30s. And I know, like, a lot of people thought, well, their defense is really going to struggle with D'Antoni, right. and that's such an awful reputation for D'Antoni because it hasn't been as bad as his reputation is. But, I mean, they're the three seed in the West. They have clearly exceeded expectations for them. Unbelievable team. offense. Yeah. They're good. Unreal. I'm going playoff Billy D. Billy D showed a lot last season. There was the regular that's season. One season. Okay. That's all I have to judge him on. Recent all history. Right. <laughs> all right. I think he did a really good job in the playoffs last year. He showed a lot of things uh, throughout the playoffs, his ability to adjust from game to game and exploit weaknesses. I think that he's going to figure stuff out with this Houston Rockets team. Maybe they won't win the series, but I think they're going to – it's going to be a longer series because I think Billy's going to make the right adjustments. I'm going Billy, too. I think, I think it's a push if we're talking about just, like, who's a better coach in general. I'm, I'm, I'm down for the push. I'm even down for D'Antoni. If I have to, if like I absolutely have to give somebody the edge, but but I think D'Antoni is more of a like there are system coaches and there are in-game coaches, and then there are guys who can do both. Like Greg Popovich can do both. Mike Budenholzer is like a more system coach. His teams don't do as well in the playoffs because from game to game, series to series, even quarter to quarter, his teams don't really adjust all that much. He just relies on the system, and that's about it. And if they can find a hole in the system, D'Antoni reputationally and historically doesn't really do a great job at fixing that. His system is incredible. It's yeah. amazing, and that absolutely factors into how good of a coach he is. But I think that's partly why they've struggled a little bit during postseasons. In certain in certain postseasons, his teams have struggled in that. So I think Billy is is more of that playoff style coach, to where he can adjust game to game. He's like he's almost like anti stubbornness, to where you're like, no, no, stick with that lineup, please. And then he changes it anyway. So so I, I think it's I think it's probably Billy, but not by that much. Convinced me. 
Advantage. Thunder. <laughs> All right, our next category is defense. It's OKC, right? I think, yeah. I yeah. think the Thunder have a better better defense than the Rockets. And, for sure. and the fact that they're not going to play like Ennis Cantor a ton of minutes, they're not going to play some of their bench guys who aren't as good defenders so many minutes, I think they can look like a top five defense. And I think Billy, you know, Fred, you asked Billy this the other night about how a lot of in, in these crunch time lineups, Billy has leaned on four defensive players and Russ. And kind of my instinct says that Billy might do that a lot in this series to basically just say, look, we know we know the ball is going to end with Russell Westbrook in some regard in this possession, whether he gives it up and gets it back or he just dribbles it for 20 seconds and takes a shot. Russell Westbrook is engineering the offense. Another Ding! text. Um, read it. I'm read it. Read it out on the podcast. Uh, so I, but so I think I think the Thunder will be a better defensive team in this series just because of the personnel that Billy's going to play. Yeah, I'm, everything Royce said. I'm with you. And good see, point, Royce. Thank you, guys. It's, it's the Thunder. <laughs> it's it's the Thunder. The Thunder have what? The Sorry, two, I missed that one. It's okay. They have the two most impactful defensive players in the series. Yeah. Andre Robertson and Stephen Adams. Right. Be- Beverly is a great defender, and he's right. all yeah. defense in my opinion, but. A point guard just can't make the impact that a center can. So. And the Rockets have the two players that hurt your defense the most in Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon. True. And they play so much, and those two really like destroy any good thing defensively. What is this bug going. right here? This I, is a I'm persistent sure bug. It's a cephalopod. You did really catch it. I did, but it escaped. All right. Our next category is that bug. No. Our next category is village bug. Advantage bug. Nature. No, our next category is offense. Rockets. Rockets by a mile. Yeah. Do we, so not even. Do we I don't have even to talk about it. <laughs> Just rockets. <laughs> the Rockets have what the fourth highest offensive efficiency in the last ten years? Yeah. Something like that? Third highest? Two Warriors teams and like one of the Suns teams. I forget which one. How high are the Thunder in the last ten years? No. Oh. <laughs> Advantage. Don't even you know, Rockets. Advantage Rockets. Rockets. <laughs> All right. Next category is crunch time. Is it clutch time or crunch time? Or, can we can we just uh, talk about that itself? Or clutch time. It's so weird that NBA.com calls it clutch time. Because yeah. no one has ever said, did you, you know, I was watching the game, I turned it on during clutch time. It's like crunch but time. But I'll say this, you don't say a player performed in the crunch. That was a really like, crunch oh, that's crunch, dude. That was a crunch shot crunch. by Westbrook. He <laughs> <laughs> is so crunch. That was crunchy. <laughs> so the thunder, crunch gene. The Thunder's net rating in the crunch is plus one is plus nineteen point nine. Houston in the crunch is minus two point five. Here's the thing, I know I mean I've been a I've been obsessed with these clutch time stats over the last month and a half because it's basically what decided my MVP vote. But for some reason, my instinct says the Rockets are going to be better in crunch time in this series. I don't know. I, I don't know why, because so much of what made the Thunder successful, two, well, two things. They were spectacular on the defensive end, second best clutch time defense in the NBA behind only the Spurs, and it was really close, too. And then the other thing was, is just Russell Westbrook just made a bunch of shots. I mean, that's Russell Westbrook was just absolutely absurd at shot making in the final three minutes of close games. And, you know, I don't know if that was randomness or if that was whatever you want to classify it as, or if it was just he has some sort of genetic ability to do this. 
I, I'm just I'm skeptical that it will continue in the playoffs. And for some reason, I believe in good ball movement, and I believe in good shots in those moments. And I think the Rockets are going to generate them more often than the Thunder will. What if I tell you that the the Thunder have a better assist to turnover ratio in the crunch? Well, Harden's a turnover machine in the in the crunch. Yes. It sounds dirty. In crunch the crunch. It up. In the crunch. <laughs> well, the you Thunder, started this. The Thunder have the crunchiest player on the floor. That, there's no doubt about that. When it comes down to the crunch time, I mean, Russ is just. Uh, how many times has Russ like made unbelievable jumps? A lot of them. A lot of times. Just, <laughs> a good answer. That's all. Thank you. Yeah, he's made a lot of. All time. right, our next category. Wait, wait, wait. Advantage. Advantage. I don't know. I don't know. Thunder. <laughs> Thunder. Thunder. Our next category is the starters. Uh, I, uh, I I still I want to I think I think it's the Rockets because I think that they're they fit better together. I think that their offense is going to be good and their defense is adequate. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's the Rockets too. They just. You can't spend the whole season having everybody tell me how much better Harden's pieces are than Russ's and then tell me that the, the Thunder starters yeah. are better. Yeah. Although I'm, I'm more in Royce's camp of that's not necessarily true. It's just the fit. But the Rockets the Rockets are designed to be together. The Thunder are designed to be yep. with Kevin Durant. Like this, this team was supposed to be built with a, with a different you know, top of the pyramid. Can we break down this series as if Kevin Durant was still on the team? That would be a lot more fun to talk about. <laughs> Royce, no. How, how good would the Thunder be if Kevin Durant was on the team? <laughs> how good would they be if they didn't make the Harden trade, Royce? Hey, guests, thank you for coming to our podcast. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show today, guys. <laughs> All right. So, advantage. Rockets. Rockets. Hey, our next and final category is the bench. The bench. Rockets. I think the Rockets. Rockets have a better bench. Advantage. Rockets. Yeah. Doesn't Yay. take much discussion here. The bench. The the Thunder's bench. I'm not going to call it garbage like Tim Bontemps would. It's not just garbage. Yeah. But it's not a good bench. It's just not. No. Yeah. The, the Rockets. The Rockets have two guys who are going to finish top five and six man of the year. Yeah. And Lou Williams has not been good for them. He's like 38% from the field and yeah. and 31 from three or something since since coming over. But they have two guys who are going to be. I mean, Eric Gordon's probably going to win six man of the year. Um, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, he's he's yeah. my guess. He's going to win, and and they have other guys like Nene is a, is a good player. He's good. Still. Yeah, he's so wise. He's making like two million. He's so wise. He's just out there. So if he's so wise. Why did he take wise. that deal? There is there is you know what because because he knows more than you do. Yeah, he knows something we <laughs> don't. True. That's, he that's knows. True. He, He's not getting paid in money. He doesn't need money. He has so much life experience. He doesn't <laughs> He's need a wise money. man, not a deal man. He's like King Solomon. It's like, why does Yoda live on Dagobah? <laughs> exactly. Because he's exactly so wise. Like that. That's true. <laughs> All right, let's move on to your series predictions. So, like, how much? Like, I'm going to get booed again yeah, for this one. <laughs> I'm going to get booed. You probably got the same pick I do then. Uh, rock, Rockets in seven. Okay. Oh, in seven. seven. Well, I'm I'm beholden to it because this is what I sent into ESPN last night. I've got Rockets in five. <gasps> Boo! <Whoa! laughs> hey guys, hey guys, watch this. Thunder and four. <laughs> Look, I, I think the games will be close. I think it's going to be a competitive series. Um, 
But uh, like I said, I, I'm just skeptical of, of the Thunder being able to execute in these close games. I've been, you know, you would have thought that it would have been hammered into my head all season long. But some of these shots that Westbrook has hit, it's not like it's been like, you know, the Mavericks shot was good, the Jazz shot, but like the one against the Magic was just a miracle. The one against the Nuggets was a miracle. <laughs> I mean, so like, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not a believer in it. Here's the thing about about playing in the crunch. It's that it all comes back to the crunch. I fully believe in using that information for an MVP argument because it's something that happened. And any, right. I don't think you should vote on MVP for something that would happen if you simulated out the season a bunch right. of times and what happened on average. I think you vote on what actually happened, and that happened. And those shots are more valuable because they affect, they went in. Yeah, they affect win expectancy far more than a shot in the second or first quarter, and right. they are more valuable. Uh, but you can't use clutch time numbers to to project. It's right. just every every single study shows you can't use them to project and the, the past results don't necessarily indicate future ones. So I I don't know if that necessarily translates to a series. Now look Ru- Russ just proves everybody wrong I know, I, all I'm, the time. I'm, so I'm totally, he'll probably do it. It wouldn't but. surprise me if the Thunders found a way to win this in like six games. I, I don't know that I would necessarily be surprised and to be perfectly honest, if they somehow made it through the Rockets, I'd probably pick them to beat the Spurs because I think the Thunder match up spectacularly well against San Antonio. I just don't think that – I think this series is going to come down to offense because I, I don't know that the Thunder can defend well enough at a high level. And I don't think the Thunder can outscore the Rockets uh, four times. They're, uh, yeah. they're also, like, really bad on the road. Right. And they have been. Good point, Fred. I, if it comes down to a game seven, like a team that has been really bad on the road against bad teams, just, just coming out flat against bad teams almost every road game, those, those games are doesn't leave a lot of encouragement. Well, it's going like into the a point that you've made seven. before, Fred. I mean, the Thunder are built, the, the Thunder's roster is a bunch of role players. And, and the old adage with role, role, uh, role players is is they don't bring bring anything to the road. They don't translate that on the road very often. And that's largely who the Thunder are. So, uh, you know, you got Westbrook, who is a fantastic road player. But then after that, you really don't have really, really uh, very solid road players. Hey, well, I, got, I know what we can all agree on. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. <laughs> Only time, <laughs> time will tell. That's where you got to do the Jim Traver. You just got to say, end your, end your point with, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> Who knows? It's like the cop out. All right, guys. Did you make a pick, Andrew? I did. No. What's it. your pick? Sweet. Okay, that means I've got Thunder and Six. Woo! <laughs> there we go. I think that they... Ding! That was, my, that was my jade jade ding right there. <laughs> I think that they can defend well enough. I think that Robertson playing that many minutes matters. I think Russ playing upwards of 40 to 42 minutes a game matters. I think Victor Oladipo is going to step up. I think that they've got a really good shot against this team. I think if they defend at the level they can and they have Russell Westbrook, I think they have the ability to win. Pretty crunchy, man. Pretty and crunchy. You know, that, we get so caught up in series predictions. That's one thing, like... You know, we, I think we all have seen enough playoff games to realize this now. But like, just because, like, it's you think in some ways you're saying a team in five is as if the series is like non-competitive, yeah. but it can be five very good close games, and the series can be especially close. It's just the Rockets win game one and two, the Thunder win game three, mm-hmm. Rockets win a tight game four, and it goes back to Houston and they close it out. So it's like I'm not necessarily saying the Rockets are like that exponentially better than the Thunder. Yeah, that's just kind of the way I. Well, even I you look it. at the the Thunder San Antonio series, most people are like, man, the Thunder killed the Spurs, but like all those right. games, except for the last game went down right. the wire. And the Spurs killed them in game one. Right. So, yeah. My favorite thing about playoff picks is when people make them, 
and they'll be like, you know, every fan does this, every media member, it'll be like, you know, Thunder and Six. And then they lose like game three and everybody freaks out about it. It's like, oh my gosh, they lost game three. And it's like, to make your stupid prediction come true, they have to lose <laughs> they, two times. They have got to lose, yeah. You picked Thunder and Six, they have to lose another time. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, every Thunder fan is going to do that. Yep. You know that, right? Well, oh, I, you saw it with the season record. People be like, "Yeah, I think the Thunder are going to go like forty-seven and thirty-five. And then they'd lose the game. They're like, "What is wrong with this? What is happening? <laughs> Russ is leaving. We're going to have to trade." They Russ. have to lose thirty-five times for your prediction to be true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on to our Twitter questions. Twitter questions. <laughs> I love live drop. <laughs> Our loud. first Twitter question it's comes... It's Brett Dawson. <laughs> yes. <Hi. laughs> Our first Twitter question comes from at Austin S1027, who wants to know, isn't losing to the guy we gave away much worse than losing to Golden State? No. Uh, no, 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 no. Because this, this wound is still very fresh. It's still bandaged with the, the Golden State wound. It's a, it's a scarred wound. We've got a Russell Westbrook, or not a Russell Westbrook, a hardened scar wound right on our belly. It doesn't hurt anymore. It's fine. <laughs> Why are you staring at me as you rub your belly? <laughs> because Pretty I think you look. understand me. Okay, here's the thing, too, to make it even weirder and crunchier. He has an actual scar on his belly. He was probably actually rubbed. <laughs> I actually, yes, it's true. It's from an old belly button ring. College, <laughs> college was a weird time for Andrew. Got ripped right out. <laughs> All With right, you. let's move on to our next Twitter question. It comes from at Trey Witzel, who wants to know, should we expect Dre to continue his run of shutting Harden down? I mean, no. I don't think you can expect that. I mean, uh, Robertson has done a, a, an exceptional job on Harden, and one thing that, that Robertson does so incredibly well is he's disciplined, uses his length really well, and those step-back mid-range jumpers or, or even three-point jumpers that Harden wants to take, Robertson can contest them better than most players do, but James Harden is a top, I don't know what you want to put him, a top six player, top five player in the NBA, so I don't think you can expect to shut any player of that caliber down. Yeah, I mean, Harden shot 31% against the Thunder when Robertson was on the floor this year. 15% from three. And like, if you go back and watch, I, I have no life, so I went back and watched <laughs> all of those clips. And a lot of them were open. A lot of them were missed open threes or layups that he didn't quite finish. And Robertson does, I think, a better job on Harden than literally anyone in the league. But he's, he's like Westbrook and that like you can play unbelievable defense, but all you can really do to him is maybe sometimes you, you push him to a spot where you don't want him, but like he makes tough shots. That's what he does. And like Russell Westbrook, sometimes how well you guard him, it doesn't matter. And he's going to make shots. I would caution everyone that's going to probably jump and be hypercritical of Robertson when James Harden scores 34 on 12 of 19 yeah. shooting in a game in this series is like watch the like actually watch the defense that Robertson played. And you can tell whether or not it was good defense or not. And sometimes if you play great defense, like, I mean, the old adage goes, like, you know, good offense beats good defense. Like, you know, that's just, if the guy makes the shot, all you can do is make it tough on him. And you can just try to make it hard. But at some point, a great offensive player is just going to make plays on you. 
Yeah, I expect him to be good. I expect him to be the Robertson that is, he's going to blanket him on defense. But of course, James Harden's going to hit shots. I just, I'm, I just can't wait for somebody. Just uh, multitudes of fans when Harden is going off, going. I thought Robertson was a good defender. Yeah, what, what is he even on the floor to do? Can't that believe is, Robertson turned down ten million a year. <laughs> Harden scored forty. Like, look, Andre Robertson is one of the probably three best wing defenders in all of the NBA. Like, he, every time I watch a game with my dad, he says that exactly. <laughs> So let's move on to our next Twitter question. Comes from at Red Sox Rebert, who wants to know how many triple doubles in the series for Russ, and does he need them for Oklahoma City to win? I think this is a fascinating topic because that's kind of been a narrative all season, right? Is Russ has to triple double for the Thunder to win. And if that's the case, then he needs to do it at least four times, right? <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I think Russ is probably going to end up with two in the series. I think he's going to play a different way. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I was, that's like, to me, maybe the most interesting thing in the series. Is he going to contest on the perimeter? Is, is he going to, like, hang around the basket and try for rebounds? Like, cause here's the thing. There's a difference between stop batting as a negative connotation, and him getting rebounds absolutely helps them. But we can all agree that Russell Westbrook likes to get stats. He's trying to get some rebounds. Yeah, he wants to get some rebounds, which is cool. He's doing something unbelievable and historic and, and one of the most impressive single seasons in the history of the NBA. But I wonder when... No, no one's keeping track of playoff triple-doubles. I, I wonder, he's already got his record. I, I wonder if he's going to change the way he plays. Because we've seen, we've seen, like, after Russell Westbrook gets his 10th assist in the game, he plays totally differently. After yeah. he gets his 10th rebound, he plays totally differently down the stretch of games once he's already at the triple-doubles. And if the triple-double doesn't necessarily matter in the postseason, the win obviously means much more. I, I, I wonder if he's going to play a, a, a different style, especially right. with the rebounding stuff and on defense. And I think it'll reveal a lot maybe about whether or not it was an intentional part of the Thunder's game plan because you know we've been kind of told that like you know Westbrook getting rebounds on his own generates offense quickly you know defensive rebound into transition opportunity and I'm sure the Thunder want to do that sort of thing because there have been so many times where Westbrook rips down a rebound hits a head quickly on an outlet pass to Oladipo or whoever so that is a big part of the Thunder's offense and they don't get easy baskets very often and that's one way to generate them but at the same time I mean we've all we've seen the you know the contested shots number it's it's pretty uh uh, it's pretty eye-catching there, so I'm curious to see how Westbrook plays. I think he'll have five or six. I think the more minutes that he has, I think he's going to have more opportunities. And so, you think I, he's going to triple-double every game? I think he's going to triple-double about every game. Because you picked Thunder six. and six. Five or six triple-doubles. And you think five or six triple-doubles. And that is the point, is that like, if right, I'm sitting here saying he's, right. he's going to play yeah. 42 minutes a game, I yeah. mean, he averaged a freaking triple-double in 34 minutes a game this year. Yeah. So, like, give him eight more minutes on the floor. That, that would be one of the most incredible things in, triple, in, in playoff history. If a guy had a triple-double every single game of a playoff series. No. <laughs> <laughs> that would just be, round numbers. Hey, hey, winning in six games is just six wins. Just a, it's a round number. Is Russell going to perform arbitrarily in the crunch? <laughs> What's an arbitrary crunch? All right, let's move on. Sounds like to a our bad next. cereal. <laughs> yeah, I try it. Sounds okay. We're moving on to our next Twitter question. It comes from Matt. Trust the void. Who wants to know why does it seem that the Thunder always have to match opponents when they go small? Why can't we force opponents to go big? I love this question because I think that there's a great explanation for it. Is that 
going small, people have this concept of going small as just like literally the size. Going small means you're inserting shooting onto the floor. You're, you're taking your traditional, you know, mid-range to low block power forward and you're stretching that player out to the three-point line. So the reason you can't do that is because three is worth more than two. And so in today's NBA, with players being able to space out and shoot the ball at such an exceptionally high level, it, you can't just, like, conceptually I understand what people are thinking. Well, put two bigs on the floor and overpower them with size and rebounding and, and pound the ball down low. But, like, just think of it in these terms. If you hit three threes, that's nine points. That takes five two-pointers to, to outscore them. So going small is about creating space on the floor and stretching out. And, you, and if you're going to put two bigs on the floor, you're just – you're just basically handing the other team more space. And for a team like the Rockets, it's just, you can't just, Matt, you can't contrast style versus style. It's about the actual personnel on the floor. So I think that's why. The Thunder have a lot of role players, one-way players, too. They have a lot of specialists. You know, Andre Robertson plays the four. People are like, well, that's them going small, and it is technically them going small, and defensively it's them going small because he switches a lot. But, like, He's not going to force anybody else to go small because he's not a shooter. Like Jeremy Grant, even at the four, like I know he shot 38% from three this year, which is kind of amazing, but he gets pretty much all of his attempted threes are wide open. Like I still don't guard him. So that's not going to force anybody to go small either because he's not helping with spacing either. If you can put a guy at the four who can shoot, it's a different story. And if you could put a big who can defend on the perimeter also, that's a different story too. But a big who can, you know, a guy who can go small and then defend a big and, and, and defend on the perimeter, like those, those guys. Guys are pretty rare. Yeah. All right. We're moving on to the lightning round. Okay. We're going to do other playoff predictions, and we're just going to fire through these. 60 seconds or less, four each. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> First, Golden State versus Portland. Golden State in four. Go- Golden State in five. I've got Warriors in four. Warriors in four. Next. The Clippers versus the Jazz. Clips in six. Jazz in six. Ooh. Yeah, dude. I'm trying to find my actual prediction so I don't contradict myself, but I think <laughs> I have Clippers in seven, if I remember right. I got Clippers in seven, too. All right, next is the Spurs versus the Grizzlies. This is a gross series. I got Spurs in five. Yeah, Spurs five. I think I, I think that's I think I'm either at five or six. I can't remember. I think it's Spurs and five. Spurs sweep. Sweep. Yeah. Sweep. Sweep. Tony Allen is Tony Allen playing? Yeah, Tony Allen's out. out. Yeah, he's out. That's sad. Jay's here, by the way. Sorry. Hey, Jay, if you want the mic, come on. Next. Next. Boston versus Chicago. Chicago four. Just kidding. Uh, Boston in five. You really thought about this, Abby? <laughs> really thought that out. Uh, I've got. Boston and seven. Boston five. Boston six. Next, Washington versus Atlanta. Washington and six. I've got that too. Washington five. Ooh, Warriors and six. Warriors and six. Wizards six. Wizards and six. I almost said it again. (laughs) I meant to say Warriors and six. (laughs) (laughs) And next, Toronto versus Milwaukee. I, I am I am giving an oath no. to Brandon Jennings. Do it, and I'm doing Bucks and Six. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was tempted to pick pick Brent. the Bucks in this. Series. I honestly wow. just wanted to quote Brandon Jennings, but but you know with Kyle Lowry be back, I, I think I got Raptors in six. I got Raps in five. Raptors are playing really well, but I just kind of 
Couldn't you guys see like 26, 9, and 9 from Giannis? Playoff, and, playoff hey man, Giannis. Bucks, Buc- I could totally see playoff Giannis being a thing and Bucks locking down on He's defense good. and Jason Kidd out coaching Dwayne Bucks Casey. And four. I could totally see it. The Raptors aren't that good in the playoffs. The Raptors went to Eastern Conference Finals last year. It was very unimpressive Eastern Conference Finals round. Yeah, but they didn't have P.J. Tucker. They've been better. They've been or they, their defense. Ibaka. Their defense has been really good after those trades, and and they've been better, and they're getting healthy now. They're they're good. I just I, good. Milwaukee's really inconsistent. They are. They can as, be really as good. we saw in OKC. Just okay. Next, <laughs> the Cavs versus the Pacers. Cleveland in six. I think Paul George is going to do some things. I think I have Cavs in five. I think. Cavs in five. Cavs in five. I, I'm a, everybody's freaking out about the Cavs, and there's reason to worry about the Cavs. I, you know the way that they've played defensively, but un, until LeBron James doesn't go to the finals, I'm gonna I'm gonna go yeah. with LeBron. Oh, yeah. Speaking of the Pacers, doesn't this though doesn't this Cavs team kind of feel a little bit like that Pacers team that lost uh, lost in the Eastern Conference Finals a couple years ago? They got pushed by the 38 win Hawks right. in the first round oh, of seven. Yeah. They they kind of fell apart at the end of the year. Feels a little bit like that. I picked yep. Cavs in fives, but like I could see it going seven. Yeah. But LeBron James is way better than Paul George. Slightly. So, like, LeBron in the playoffs on that. Slightly better, yeah. All right, guys. Our final question for the night is the question we end every podcast with. Are you miffed? And are you peeved? Miffed. 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 Miffed and peeved. I was super miffed on Sunday. So I was driving to church, driving by myself, going there early to play my guitar. And this girl pulls right out in front of me. And so one of the bad things is I, I love to eat cereal. And I love to eat cereal in any setting, even driving in my car. Wait, you eat a bowl of cereal? I ate a bowl of cereal, driving in my car, had my checks, had a cut-up have... banana inside the chicks. Hold on! <laughs> What's your milk situation in that bowl? So here's the deal. you got to have an oversized bowl. It's got to be a really, really big bowl. You can't you have, have a no popcorn bowl in your lap? <laughs> Pretty much, yes. Like you, can't, you can't have no normal-sized bowl. That's not going to work. But the, I came inches away from hitting this girl. I mean, just... I salvaged the cereal. Thank God. So it turned into a grateful and blessed, but I was just imagining as I'm about to crash into this girl, then pulling my body out of my truck, and I'm covered in checks and milk and bananas. Um, this it idiot was been, eating cereal. It That's have, he died. It could have been real bad. You know there's an entire It's Always Sunny episode about that exact scenario. <laughs> I, I did not know. I don't watch. <laughs> I didn't know yes. that <laughs> You guys mm. miffed? No, I, 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 I'm, I'm miffed about the name of this segment. I think it should be called Furious and Bewildered. <laughs> yeah, I think that true. would be way better. We, we did have an I think you guys to need to edit it. it. Yeah, you're going to have to change it to that. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. We call it, we call it Miffed and Peeved because there was a teacher that Luke and I had in high school that would never say she was angry. She would always tell us that she was miffed and or peeved. And <laughs> so that's know, where it comes from. The first time I ever heard people say miff or peeve was on this podcast. <laughs> These guys had like literally guy, never heard what, of this before. What, this guy that eats cereal person. in his car? <laughs> yeah, which makes sense, actually. <laughs> I do. It's, it's a great it's a great experience. You should try. Get yourself an oversized bowl. Just enjoy. What are you driving with your knee? Like, what are you doing here? No, his knees are holding the cereal, dude. Priorities. <laughs> yes. Priorities. Come on. <laughs> you, you, you just change positions. What, just... So, so how do you text then? <laughs> That's right. Hmm. I, I had a similar car experience, but I wasn't miffed and peeved because it was my fault. I totally, like, almost kind of, I was the opposite. I almost uh, hit this girl, and she flipped me off so great. I, it was, I was, like, 
I deserve that. Like every part of that, like I if that. I would have done that to myself, that's the right reaction. It was just like, boom! It was great. Anybody else miffed? I don't, know, I don't know that I am miffed. Huh? I don't want to. I don't want to share my pre-show miffed. <laughs> oh no! Please my, don't. My take on the United Airlines <laughs> situation. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, you guys thought you booed earlier. <laughs> just, that's going to be like I'll Andrew's to conversation with Presty. Just yeah. a secret. That's a secret. Can't ever talk about it. I'm miffed that you won't talk about it, guys. You know what? I'm not miffed. I'm actually grateful and blessed about. This live podcast tonight, I want us to have a special thanks to Anthem for hosting us. They've been great. A huge thank you for Chicken Express giving all this free food. That is so good. Oh, so good. A big thanks to Fred Katz for coming out and to Royce Young. Way to go, Royce! <laughs> and to all our great listeners for being here tonight, give yourselves a hand. Hey, hey, cats! I want to say something to you. Did you know before we met you that we used to go like this? He's the cats man. <laughs> we did. We uh, really used to do that. That that is so weird. But cool. <laughs> it's weird. I'm, I'm into it. I, why did you stop once you met me? Because yeah. because Andrew said specifically to me, "Hey, man, be cool." <laughs> That's true. He does not want me to That's embarrass true. him in front of his new friends. I did. So, Luke sent a series of text messages of all the things that he wanted to say to Fred Katz before tonight. What were they? What were they? I want to nope, say that. Nope. They, Shout they out should, to me for being they especially should be, cool. They should, they, should, they should really be read. They're 100%. All, all. Uh, thanks for listening to our podcast. <laughs>